In most organizations, big or small, public or private, diversity and inclusion is on the agenda. It has very special attention in the Dutch tech sector because it's still very male-dominated. The Capgemini Group has made diversity and inclusion one of its core CSR pillars. Many professionals have worked to create a more inclusive culture. Who are these role models and what are their stories? I am Kido Kunik and I will be talking to these role models in a series of podcasts. Today, on Transgender Day of Visibility, my conversation is with Daniela Wagemakers, who is pioneering the visibility and acceptance of transgenders on the work floor. Daniela, thanks for taking the time to be here. You're welcome, Kido. Now, you're an ethical hacker for the Capgemini Group, specifically at uh, Sojiti, but we'll talk much more about your work and about the work floor later, because on Transgender Day of Visibility, I think it's important not to just talk about the work floor, but also about the person, the personal side of being transgender. And I've learned a lot about identity, and I also learned uh, recently that it's very fluid in, in many ways. You know, people are more things at the same time. And I'm just curious, since identity can be such a fluid thing, how are you sure? How do you become sure that you are in the wrong gender? Can you tell me that story? Well, this story starts about 17 years ago when I was about turning 20. Uh, and always had the feeling that something was off in my life. And it, I think I was 22, 23 when I started realizing that I didn't feel comfortable uh, uh, presenting as, as a male person. And uh, I always say that I never was a man. I always have been a boy. And, and from that point on, I felt from off, 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 off. And then I started from maybe it's my gender identity. Maybe I should explore this and... I start exploring that, uh, uh, dressing up, as, as, as I thought it would be, dressing up. And it wasn't dressing up. It was coming home and feeling uh, normal in a different uh, uh, presentation. Wow. So, so it, it started kind of fluid because you started questioning yourself. And that realization came when you literally saw yourself as another identity. Yes, totally. Wow, that's, that's pretty impressive. That is such a realization uh, moment. And now, a, a friend of mine, at some point she was studying to become a psychologist, and she, was, she had to fill in questionnaires with people who were questioning their gender identity. And I remember it struck me that it was so weird that they had objectified in a list of questions something that is so personal and so subjective. And I imagine you had to have gone through that same process what was that like? That was a really difficult process. Uh, it felt like taking the exam of being yourself. Uh, and it, it's hard, it's confronting. Um, and I do had quite a bit of help from my psychologist. Uh, and I already also did have some um, uh, uh, questions. And I was questioning myself because, like, is this really what I want? Because this is not like getting a tattoo that you can cover up with your sleeves. Um, this is a Which big you thing. also got. Yeah, I got <laughs> tattoos. Um, I have, and I've been, I've been through a long process of finding myself and, and getting to know myself. Uh, but in the end, I knew what I was and who I was uh, beforehand. Um, and I just needed, to, had needed some, 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 some grip to get to the point to who I am. 
right. So you you had the realization that you you were in the wrong gender, basically. You you also had to do the whole psychological thing. And then the next step comes. And and I think it's very important to talk about because when we when we talk in a society about transgenders as if they are there and and it's already clear. But there's a really big threshold before you actually go into the transition period, right? It, what, I would just want to know, what does that threshold look like? What do you have to kind of conquer to, you know, to dare to do it? Well, first you have to conquer your surroundings, your people around you, your social bubble, your family. Uh, it's still not uncommon for people who transition to lose their family or their job or all their friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you get... Uh, at peace with that and I had a lot of support from my family and my friends and also my workplace at the time um, then you can go through the, the, the medical part and I always say uh, your transition consists of three parts your your social transition so what people on the outside will see your medical transition which is really personal which is uh, uh, hormones uh, medications uh, surgery speech training and there is a legal part, and that's just like going to the uh, the court or nowadays going to the, the city hall and just to like change your gender, get a new passport and get all get official approval of who you are and get your new your new legal name. That's <laughs> such a bizarre thought. But we'll talk about the actual changing of names later on in the what can you do on the work floor a bit. But you said it's not uncommon for people who go through a gender transition to you know, to, to feel like a pariah sometimes. Was that ever part of your consideration? Any kind of fear that you had? I had huge fears about that. Mm. Um, I broke it to my parents very carefully, to my mother first and then to my father. Um, but all my family was supportive and I had, my parents were are pretty modern people. So I didn't have big hesitance about that. But yeah, it, it's scary because you have to, to do things that people only see on TV. And uh, most people don't know a trans person or they think they don't know a trans person. And uh, then, oh, I, I'm the trans person in your life now. So, and that's, that's it's scary. It's really scary. Yeah, I can understand. And, and so you are also a bit lucky to have supportive surroundings. Yeah. Was the same for your employer at the time? Yeah, at the time, my employer was okay with it. Um, I was not working at Capgemini back then. Um, and I, I announced to him, well, I'm going to do this transition thing. And I uh, I made sure I had some change agents in the company already who knew beforehand, before I went to the manager. Uh, so I had my support and I had a couple of colleagues who were supporting me already in new things. So they could have my back if, if necessary. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that is, that hasn't proven to be necessary. Uh, my employer at that time and my colleagues were very welcoming. Uh, there have been some some weird things being said. There have been some some strange looks. But yeah, no, I've I've had support from from my employer, uh, from my colleagues, and I was working in retail back then, even for my regular customers. Awesome. So great to hear that your surroundings were accepting. And let's now talk about visibility, because that's what today is about. And uh, I want to start with a story, because when I just started working at Capgemini, I was on a project where the business owner on the client side, so a very important person, was a trans woman. And I was fascinated, and I would have loved to have a conversation about about that and what it's like to 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 be in a working environment um, with her, uh, but I didn't, and I also understood that that may be better because not everybody is is hoping to have that conversation out in the open like that. Correct? Yeah, 
most of the time we just want to go on with our lives, do our job. Uh, I'm an ethical hacker. I just want to do my job. I want to find your vulnerabilities. I would like to explain them to you and help them solve them and help them to, to make a more a secure product or a more secure program. Mm-hmm. But if you are... Uh, Encountering a, ping, a person that you think is trans, the most important thing is not to out them without their explicit consent. Because outing people can be dangerous. People have lost their jobs after people have been outed to their employers. Mm. Um, so, and, and for the most of us, for most of us trans people, our, trans, uh, our transition is really personal. Um, I am. I've chosen to be really open about it and, and try to educate people and 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 to tell people. And that's why I'm sitting here mm-hmm. and telling, talking to you about the, the Trans Day of Visibility to be visible. But if you're on the works for on the workplace and, and you think, well, I think this person is trans, you might be wrong. Um, which is very sensitive in itself. Which is course. very sensitive. If if you if, uh, and you also encounter a person who might not want to be open about it or not want to tell, share this with you. So in general, if trans people want you to know that they're trans, they will tell you. Um, if you're really curious, um, you can ask them, but ask them only in private and be prepared to take a no for an answer. Yeah. Because it, 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 if, if, uh, if, if a colleague sends me an email and it happens every once in a couple of months, from, yeah, I've been in a meeting with you uh, yesterday or this morning, and are you perhaps, uh, can I ask you a personal question? Yeah, are you perhaps a trans person? And I will say, yeah, I'm a trans person. And then usually they have some questions. Mm -hmm. And as long as they're not impertinent questions, I will answer them. Depending on who it is, I will also answer the impertinent questions, but be prepared to get an answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but also the answer no is what you said. Also there. the answer no. Sometimes <laughs> I, I say no. And sometimes um, I if, if people ask me about my voice, and I do a lot of uh, voice calls nowadays uh, working from home, mm-hmm. I have lights to people that I just, I just have a call. So my voice is not really feeling really well. Okay. Because it didn't want to talk about it at that time with that person. Or or when there's other people around who may be very judgmental about... Or when there's other people around, yeah. Yeah. So so do it in person. Um, you also mentioned in the beginning that you had speech training. Mm-hmm. So so that, you know, you you are conscious of, of like, modulating your voice yeah. to be more feminine, I guess, yeah. Yeah, I've done quite extensive speech training and it is really, really hard because it takes a serious effort to talk uh, in, in a register that's not your own. Mm. Uh, testosterone is a one-way road. Uh, it changes your voice box, it changes your voice, uh, but stopping testosterone or suppressing testosterone doesn't change it back. So yeah. my natural voice was even lower than this, and I have some training to, to, to speak in a higher register, which is also higher in your mouth. And well, if you're into music, you might know what, I, what I'm talking about, uh, your head voice. But it took some effort, and it, took, it takes really a lot of energy and when i'm tired my voice just drops yeah yeah so it's because yeah and and this is part of you know we've already come well into the the third topic about talking about it on the work floor but i think it's very important to realize also listening to you now that anybody who you encounter who is a trans person already went went through a lot mm-hmm. you know there's there's bravery there you have to overcome fears potential rejection you have to do you have to go through 
challenges, um, which which is also, if you want to talk about these things to 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 trans people, what would you recommend to to do to start the conversation when somebody is visible or when you when you are like intimate enough to ask these kinds of questions? What is a good way to approach this topic? Be sensitive about it. That's the first thing, and just ask. Uh, can I ask you a personal question? Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I also recommend, uh, start with saying that I'm, I'm okay with with having no for an answer. So feel if you want to, can would you like to share something with me? Mm, yeah. And just say if you say no, that's fine too. Yeah, it makes makes total sense. And um, let's let's go one step further. Let let's talk for a second about pronouns. And I and I realized because I had already already forgotten. But we are in an app group together. <laughs> and at some point, you had encountered a colleague who referred to you with the, the he him pronouns, and you kind of got upset. And uh, I remember personally making the recommendation saying, well, just, you know, email the person and say that you have different preferred pronouns, like no hard feelings, but could you change it? And then later on in that same conversation, like months later, Mm -hmm. somebody objected against the word preferred because it's not preferred. It's just your pronouns now. And I was like, oh, I tried so hard to kind of give good advice, but this is pretty difficult do you do you also experience that as being difficult on the work floor at 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 Sojeti, Capgemini, um when 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 talking about pronouns yeah and even for me it's 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 difficult uh, a month ago i did a presentation i talked about a person that uses they them pronouns mm. uh, gender neutral pronouns and within that presentation i made a couple of mistakes using the wrong pronouns for this person yeah and it's even for me, it's hard. In written language, it's easy because you can just like think and type and backspace and type again. But when you talk, it's more difficult to use pronouns that are new to you. Uh, and, and talking about uh, uh, pronouns you're not accustomed to using in a singular case. Uh, in English, they, them, it's pretty easy because yeah. we do use a lot of single singular they's already. Uh, they have left the book on the table. But in Dutch, so, somebody left their book. Yeah, somebody so, left their book. Yeah. Uh, not he or she left their book. No, mm. they left their book. Yeah. Um, in Dutch, it's it's more difficult because it's less natural sounding to us, and that's something we need to practice. But I also say, if you make a mistake, correct it, and go on with. Uh, you can apologize and just go on with the conversation. Yeah, uh, you get you get. You, we're all on this learning curve. Yeah, but I reckon like you are. You you have to get pretty thick skin about this, you know, because it happens probably a lot. Uh, if if people are misjudging how to approach or how to use pronouns, is it something that that you kind of um, does does it still frustrate you, or are you accepting it that people are just on that learning curve? I accept people are just on that learning curve. That first example that you you talked about, uh, that that I went to the app group asking for help. That was the first time. It happened at my current client where I where I at, and I wasn't there for that long time. Uh, I was there for only for just a couple of months at, at that point in time. So I was like, "Yeah, how do I approach this? Because I don't really know the culture that well already." Mm. Um, and I sent an email, like you suggested. So, oh, I heard you said this and this. I would like to prefer you. And it was like, "Oh yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't do it personal." And it was it was great. It was a good conversation after. And it was like from 
Huh, thanks. That was nice. Yeah. So, but, so when you actually connect to someone, I think also in the light of the day where it's about visibility, yeah. you know, you can be su surprised in a positive way as well, I guess. Yeah. People yeah. are pretty accepting. Yeah, but it's scary because you have to talk about something very personal and we're, we're at a client. So I'm not at my own company, but I'm at the client um, where I need to be at my best, at my best behavior. Um, then it's more difficult. Yeah. Yeah, and but it's really good that you reach out one-on-one -on -one because mm -hmm. people have much harder time objecting to an actual person than to their idea of a yep. person if they have all kinds of ideas about what transgender people are like or what you know what what kind of judgment you have on the um uh, on gender roles like when there's an actual person in front of you who you can see and work with and respect that might be more transformational than all kinds of articles that you read Yes, um, talking to a person works and talking to a person helps uh, because you see a person and you don't see a transgender. And I don't like to use tra transgender as, as an object. Uh, I'm a trans person or trans woman. Mm -hmm. um, and if you talk to a person, you see that, that well, yeah, I, I, I work and I have, a, I have a mortgage and I have a house and I cook and I eat. You know, I'm, I'm a real actual human person. I like coffee and I like beer and I like wine. Um, and I'm not just like the indefinite per yeah that this is that's a trend that's not uh, an abstract yeah yeah it, it 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 humanizes which is weird to think about because why would you have to humanize something that's already very human but in people's heads it really helps to have somebody that they can see and talk to like I said and for most people I am the trans person in their life yeah the one trans person they know that they are trans mm-hmm. And I want to continue for one more point on the pronouns, because recently you gave a presentation on the work floor where you are already famous. And you gave a great example of how the American government recently became much more accommodating to different genders overnight. Uh, can you give the example? Uh, this is the example of the, the White House uh, um comment form or the, the, the contact form. So if you go to the whitehouse.gov and you want to like contact the White House, uh, you get like name and telephone number, et cetera, et cetera, and you comment you want to write. And they also ask you, what are your pronouns? And mm -hmm. you get uh, a couple of, of options like uh, he, she, uh, they, I believe they have another option, and other. And if you click other, then you get like a text box and you can put with, with, with the label says, please tell us your pronouns. Uh, and they implemented this overnight when President Biden was inaugurated. Mm -hmm. And this is something I would like to see more because in a lot of places when I just like, I want to buy a book online, then what what is your gender or what is your sex even worse? And like, I just want to buy a book. <laughs> I'm a reader. Yeah, <laughs> like, I want to buy this book. You tell me how much money I pay you and then you ask me for my address so you can send it to me. <laughs> That's all the information that needs to be exchanged. Yeah, so but you you can sometimes refuse to put that, or does it have a star and you have to? Uh... Most of the time, it's uh, a compulsory field. You always have mm. to put in. It's either a radio button, or you just can't skip the question. If you're like in a questionnaire or a survey, then they ask for gender without any good cause. They just yeah, but we always ask for gender. And and this Daniela is where your work uh, comes in. And, and let's loop back to, uh, we, we did a, a Women's Day presentation before where the theme of this year's Women's Day was choose to challenge. And you mentioned already, you're an ethical hacker. Um, and uh, as I understood, you also chose to challenge 
um, this kind of stuff where websites require you to be a man or a woman or address boxes or, or, or identities cannot be changed in the system, whereas if you had done it a bit differently, they would have been. If you are a bit tech savvy or if you're in an organization and feel like, how can we be more accommodating of different uh, genders, definitions, pronouns? How can people do it? And how did you already implement it somewhere? Well, you can prepare your databases and your APIs and your front ends for, for accommodating different pronouns or not making the gender question compulsory. Like you can choose it, but you cannot choose it. Um, you can say, instead of asking for your gender, ask for your pronouns. If you want, yeah, because most of the time companies ask for pronouns because they want to know if they put dear sir or dear madam above their emails. Yeah. And I'm happy with like dear Daniela, which is easy to find. But mm -hmm. you can just pick and choose your pronouns or your salutation if you want. Um, I myself, I needed to build a form for a customer loyalty card. Yeah, you can you can do some HTML coding. Yeah, you can build a form. So I start building a form. Choose your preferred salutation. Uh, dear sir, dear madam, uh, a more uh, uh, common way, uh, beste in Dutch. Um, we also, we, in English, it's all, all, always dear, but in, in Dutch, yeah, beste, and then voornaam as, as a variable. Mm -hmm. um, and I just built it, and nobody noticed. And this is the first code I built that's still in production <laughs> over four years ago. <laughs> it's, and I, I, I just checked last night. It was still in production. It's still there. You can still, like, choose your dear first name uh, at, at, that, at that contact form. And, and, and nobody noticed. Nobody has ever told and said anything <laughs> about it. Probably the, the, the back-end guy, because I just built the form. Probably the back-end guy says, well, there's something here. But I just put it in the, in, in, in the, in the back-end. But, but why would they mind even? If, even if somebody sees it and thinks, hey, somebody has been messing with it. Well, actually, they made the systems better. <laughs> Usually people don't mind. They just don't think about it. Uh, people just are used to building a database. If you like need a personal database, you like their name and last name and, and middle initial or middle name and a date of birth is often important or a phone number or email address. And they just put in gender because they always put in gender. Yeah. And they also put in like male or female or man or woman because they are used to it. Yeah. I never thought beyond that. And, and how would you suggest any listener to go about challenging that odd, you know, pretty weird status quo? <laughs> because, yeah, it, it is not very necessary to have gender as information when you send a book. But I, I reckon that goes about many processes in organizations or in customer support. What, what could we be doing? If you need to build a system or maintain a system or design a system, and we are consultants, we are architects, we are developers, think, why do we need to ask for this, this piece of information? And do we need to ask for this piece of information? Is it valuable? Does it add value to our data set? And if you don't ask it, your data officer will be grateful because less data that can be leaked. <laughs> um, and if you say, well, we do have a cost to... Uh, uh, record this piece of information, a gender or salutation. The salutation is pretty common to ask eh, if you want to, to be nice to people when you email them or when they call you and you're at the customer support desk. Um, ask for salutation and prepare the system for different pronouns. Prepare the system for easily changing your first name because that's something really, really hard. Mm -hmm. uh, some systems are easy. Uh, I went to my bank when I when I got my new passport and I called my bank. No, you just have to go because we need a copy of your passport. Drop, it, drop in the office, takes five minutes, have a cup of coffee and you're on your way. Other companies, um, 
a big retail chain online, could I just yeah you you have to make a new account because we can't change that. Right. There is no button to change your first name or there is no button to change your gender. That actually is also against their personal interest, right? Because they want to track you as long as possible as a customer. Yeah. Yeah. So these are these are some concrete examples. We've been speaking quite a while about the workflow. Um, but you also mentioned, you know, beforehand and and it, in the conversation that it's 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 not necessarily easy to to come out and have to deal with judgment of society. Now we 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 are having this conversation together. You know, people are going to listen to it. How do you feel about that? It's pretty scary. Um, I've been open on the work floor for quite a while now, and I'm becoming more open. But still, having the thought that this podcast will go out to Capgemini Netherlands, maybe Capgemini worldwide, and will be presented outside, I hope. I will be the, that trans person in the podcast of Capgemini. Mm. Uh, or I will be that trans person, and people will see this on LinkedIn. So, Or will see this on, on social media or share this. Uh, my colleagues ask me, oh, what are you going to do this afternoon? Yeah, I'm going to do a podcast for diversity and inclusion. Mm-hmm. Oh, can we listen to it when it's done? Oh, this is going to be interesting. So it, it is scary, uh, but also it is something I would like to do. And I, I use my privilege I have with a supportive employer, a supportive friend, supportive family to make the world safer for people who are, have less support in their surroundings. Yeah, that, and which, which, is, which is brave, because bravery is doing something in the face of fear. But what about pride? Are you also proud? I mean, we're calling you a role model here. You're getting all this attention because people think it's very special what you're doing. Is, is that positive feeling, does, do you have space for that? Yeah, oh, totally. I'm totally proud of doing that. Um, out and proud, as they say. Um, I present myself as, as, as Daniela, and I'm, I'm a woman first, and I'm a trans person second. Um, but yeah, I'm proud of it. Uh, proud of who I am, proud of who I've become, and, and what I have overcome in my life to be who I am. Yeah. Um, and that's what I, I try to, to, to communicate to the outside world. Yeah, and you have very eloquently, as always... So thank you so much for the conversation, uh, Daniela, for conversation about you, but also giving some perspectives to people on uh, the work floor about how to approach, but also how to accommodate transgenders on the work floor more. Very fitting on uh, the Transgender Day of Visibility, 31st of March. Uh, so thanks very much for, for the conversation. You're very welcome, Kido. And to all the listeners, thank you very much for listening and hope to talk to you again in a next podcast. Thank you. Thank you.